Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 222 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Few months ago, I think by now it's perhaps been six or seven months ago, we aired this episode in which we talked about how you can have a wonderful sexual experiences even when you think you have an SDI. There was a wonderful PA physician assistant that talked to us about different SDIs and the treatments. And many of you guys emailed me and requested a follow-up. That's why I invited my dear colleague, Bianca Hiu, to talk about her journey of discovering and living with genital herpes. She did an episode on her podcast on this topic. I leave a link in the show notes to that episode. And it was very powerful. And I love her message because I know that many of my clients and friends that when they get the diagnosis, as we're going to talk about in the episode of genital herpes, they feel it's an end to their sex life. They feel conflicted about how to disclose that to their future partner and and how what would that mean about their sexuality so in this conversation bianca will tell us how we can have vibrant sex life after getting this diagnosis bianca specializes in perfectionism helping people embrace their imperfections and authentically be themselves she helps clients work through concerns of self-worth unhealthy relationships identity or feeling overwhelmed. Her approach within therapy is direct but open, meeting clients where they are, providing them freedom to change when they are ready. Bianca is a licensed professional counselor in Georgia, podcast host, speaker, and authenticity coach. Before we dive into our conversation, I wanted to thank our sponsor, OMGS. OMGS.com is a website devoted to sexual pressure for people with vulvas and their partners. OMGS conducts and publishes the first ever nationally and representative large-scale studies about specific pleasure strategies in partnership with Indiana University and Kinsey Institute Research. One thing that at times I see with some of my clients is that they think that they know they know enough about sex. Uh, they know that they have their own technique and they're not necessarily curious to explore what's out there. And I think omgs.com can be a wonderful tool to help people to find new things, additional things that help you to expand your pleasure. What I specifically I really like about it that it has animations, videos of real people talking about their experiences and it gives you the visual representation of what some of these techniques are. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I see someone demonstrating a technique visually, it helps me to grasp it much better. So if you're like me, this can be a really, really good tool for you. I invite you to check it out yourself. You get the discount if you go use our link. Our link is omgs.com slash sexology. That's omgs.com slash sexology. 
plus certified nurses, clinicians, and therapists to get your free access. Email them. Their email address is therapist at omgs.com. That's therapist at omgs.com. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Bianca Hughes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Bianca Hughes on our show. Bianca, welcome to our show. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. I am very excited about our conversation. I know that we were co-moderating a room in a clubhouse and you talked about this wonderful episode that you had, that you kind of shared your personal experiences with some of the challenges that you had. And I was like, oh God, this is so needed that I must invite you (laughs) to join (laughs) us to talk about this topic. Because, you know, I, I have a lot of friends, clients that they struggle with kind of experiencing stigma and shame, whether internally or externally because of the STI diagnosis that they got. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how did you get interested in helping this, these population, this population? Yeah. So it came about because I shared my own story of had genital herpes on my podcast. That was back in the summer of 2020. I shared that. And the response I got was like, and when I say response, like people would DM me, they, someone wanted to have a conversation with me. They would, um, you know, I got emails. I even just got an email the other day and, you know, we're like in February and this was like last year and I got an email. Then I got texts from people I knew. And then I got subliminal messages like, I wish I had this podcast. And I'm like, oh, so you too. So they weren't, some people weren't saying it, but they were like making it very, very clear. And because of the response, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to pivot and go in a different direction. I even ended up getting a coaching client from that episode they wanted to do therapy and I didn't really want to do therapy because it's more of a personal thing and I wanted I didn't want to have the restrictions (laughs) of therapy and so yeah and then just talking to a friend about where do I want to go and what direction do I want to do and how do I want to help people it just it made sense it just made sense because the demand is there or the need is there for someone like myself who has genital herpes to talk to other people. Well, uh, what a courageous and wonderful thing that you did talking about it in your podcast. I think at times I talk small thing, kind of share a small thing about my sexual experiences with people. And I, even with that, I was like, oh, did I say too much? <laughs> so I can imagine <laughs> that, like sharing something like that's profound. I think was a, it seems like it resonated with lots and lots of people because it's my experience. And if you received, I don't know, 20 or 30 emails about it, there are hundreds and hundreds of people out there that the message resonated with them. And of course, there's a sub part of that number of people would email and contact you. So it's it's very wonderful. Again, I think it's very courageous that you did that. What helped you to motivate it to kind of put it out in your podcast? Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. 
So I, so it took a while. I just want everyone to know that it wasn't like I woke up. So, cause I've actually had genital herpes for like just under 20 years. And so it wasn't something that, you know, I've been wanting to do. And I remember quite a few years ago, I felt like for me, God was like, one day you're going to share your story. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, no, absolutely not. And like, it terrified me. I also know that I have this gift of authenticity and being vulnerable. And it was also like, God was also like, uh, you're going to be vulnerable. Like no one else has ever been. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. So fast forward I remember seeing Stephanie, who was actually on one of the episodes, and she talked about her story about having genital herpes. And I saw her on this on um, Instagram sharing that she had it, and I was like, "What? Wait a minute! Like people share this? <laughs> people tell <laughs> people? I'm like, like she really shared this?" And I was like, just in awe, and I was just amazed. And I knew I was going to have her on the podcast at some point. And so I was like, okay, cool, getting ready. And then it just, in the spirit of authenticity, it just didn't feel right that I would interview her and not share my story. It just felt, yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel right. And so that's when I decided like, okay, I guess it's a time, it's a time. <laughs> so I just want to tell everyone, like, you know, it, it, everyone's like, you're so brave and you're so courageous. So I was like, I was apprehensive, you know, and I was going back and forth, but it's like, um, you know, when something's just the time and you just got to do it and you just sitting there not doing it just feels like inauthentic and you're just not being genuine. And that's that I've had that icky feeling. And I was like, OK, it's time. Well, what a beautiful story. And I think what a great example of showing up with your authentic self and kind of setting an example, because I, I know that there are so many women that are struggling alone and they feel shame of it. And I think there's tons of myth and misconceptions connected to a woman who get a genital herpes. What are some of the myths that you hear? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to share one myth that I recently discovered. And I was told uh, the myth I heard was you couldn't have a baby vaginally if you were having an outbreak. And I found that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. The myth is you're dirty. Mm-hmm. You sleep around, you know, to get an STD or, you know, any STD, but we all know any STD, but especially with genital herpes, it's like you sleep around, you're dirty. How did you not know? The other myth is, I think this is very important, is that if you're not having an outbreak that you can't pass it on, mm-hmm. that's not true because we can always shed. And that's the reason why you really need to tell your partner if you have genital herpes, even if you're not having an outbreak because of that, especially for women, like men need to tell women is what I mean is because we're more, more women have it than men just because we're more susceptible because of, you know, we have the, 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 the vagina and how sensitive it is. And so I think that's a big myth that I hear people saying. Another big myth is I'll never, no one will ever want me. I'll never be able to enjoy sex again. I think that's a really big, big, big myth that no one, and I think that's the biggest fear mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. no one will ever want to have sex with me again. And just as I'm just developing more and more knowledge, and like people also need to say if they have, so we have genital herpes and then the other type is the cold sores, which is another form of herpes. And they really need to tell people because so many people are having oral sex now. 
So, you know, you have HS, HSV1 and 2 and 1 is the cold sore, but more people are getting HSV1 because of in the, in the genital area because people have a cold sore. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love all of these kind of myths that you named. And I, I heard all of them because I think that that's, that's why I love it. <laughs> I, lo- I heard all of them and how much it can kind of like impact one's sense of self if, if we buy into those myths. And I think one mm-hmm. like first thing that came to my mind is like this idea of the woman or the person has must have been promiscuous. And I personally mm-hmm. know many, many women as friends, as clients, wonderful people. They haven't necessarily been kind of promiscuous or anything at all. It's just like if you're sexual active and that can be one of the things that can happen. So I think that's just the myth that many people heard and it impacts impact how people might kind of approach getting treatment, talking about it with people. So I'm glad that you are talking about this and spreading information about the facts and things related to, to kind of leaving with this diagnosis. One thing that I'm curious about is that, so when, when someone is, is having a, like, like particularly, I was thinking STI, so particularly with herpes, I, I didn't know if it's not active, you cannot pass it out. So what I'm hearing is like when there's an outburst, like, you know, outbreak that you have, then most women are telling me that uh, they're not intimate, but they feel like when there is not right. a kind of like outbreak, then uh, they are, they are, they don't think that they are at the risk of infecting their partner. Tell us more about that. Yeah, because we shed. And so basically, yeah, that's not true at all. And so, and because of the shedding of the skin, we can still pass it on. Mm -hmm. I'm not like a doctor, doctor, but (laughs) I do know (laughs) we do still shed. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to tell. And I've heard people say, well, I use a, well, if we use a condom, Mm -hmm. it'd be okay. But herpes doesn't just show up like on your vagina, Mm -hmm. right? It could be on your buttocks area. Mm -hmm. It could be just outside. So I think that that's why people need to under, kind of understand, understand that in that sense. It's still, you know, it's in the the body. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the other thing that was very profound that you shared with us that you are, you will be able to find a partner if you share that with them, because sometimes I know it's a dilemma that people are kind of think about if I share this with my partner, they will not be open to having sex with me. I will not be able to find a partner, but they also in a good conscience, they just want to make sure that they're sharing this information with people. So that, that can turn to this dilemma. So tell us more about that. How is it possible for people to share it in a thoughtful way? And tell us the kind of success stories of people who share this information. Yeah. So education, education, education. Like you're listening to this podcast, go read CDC website. There is this really actually good website, probably because I'm biased because they're in the UK, but herpes.org UK. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you (laughs) and the CDC, because they have really, really, really good factual information. Arm yourself with information so that you can be informed. And then when you're sharing, um, and this is why I do think it's so important to do the, the work around it when you do have a diagnosis, is that you're confident and you know when sharing. So the way I see it is the more confident you are, it's probably less likely that the person's going to be like, no. But if you're like, oh, wow, I have something to tell you. and um, But if you're like, 
this is a situation. I do have genital herpes. You know, this is something I've had. I do have outbreaks. What this means for sex is that, you know, it could be a risk. You could never ever have it. But there's also is the chance because of shedding. Of course, when we have sex, we won't. When I'm, when I'm having an outbreak, we won't be able to have sex. Totally want you to find out the information for yourself. Here are some websites. I think it's important for you to get educated. And I just want to know if that's something that you're okay with. And also on top of that, I do feel that because of that and because of my experience that we should also both get tested. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's all about me Mm -hmm. and that something's wrong with me. You're like, I have this, but I also need to know about you too. So we're both having that conversation. And I feel like the more confident, I mean, I've had stories, I'm not sexually active now, but when I was, you know, when I was scared and I told, and I've, you know, told probably just had one person reject. If you ever hear my story, you know, I talk about, I didn't tell I had sex and I didn't tell and I had to go back. And actually they were really, actually, they were okay with me. One person wasn't and one person was. And so, yeah, I've had people that have been like, okay, cool. Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. And they find out the information I had. I remember talking to someone and they were like, I told the person, they said no. Then they came back a while and they thought about it and now they're okay. So it, it, you know, and then there's people who say, no, I'm not interested and they run a mile, but that's not about you. That's still their choice. You know, that's what it is. I don't know and if that answered. all. It questions. did. And, you know, uh, Bianca, I, I, I was like thinking, oh, I need to channel her when I'm ta- teaching my clients <laughs> about how to talk about <laughs> this conversation because they're tough conversations. And I love that you highlighted that. Let, let us get both get tested because STIs are very, very common and your partner might have other kind of challenges or things that's going on for them. And I think it can be empowering for both to have that information. Mm-hmm. And one of mm-hmm. the misconceptions that I hear is as exactly what you talked about. If, you're, if I'm wearing condom, then there will not going to be a possible kind of transition, transmission. And I think that's, that's definitely a myth. So I love that you talked about like informing yourself, knowing mm-hmm. what are some of the information that is accurate about this area and you can answer questions and you're right anyone sometimes people can reject us for a number of different reasons not even just because we have this diagnosis it's just maybe they're not interested maybe they are not ready to be there kind of a sexually more committed relationship what a number of different reasons so i think it's important mm-hmm. and empowering for you to say what you're experiencing and also kind of like being open and honest about it. Other thing that came to my mind as you were sharing kind of this conversation with us, I know that uh, you 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 have a strong relationship with your faith, and I think it yes. it, it can yes. be challenging when when we're talking about our sexuality, especially things around STIs, STDs, when we are affiliated with with kind of our religion, with our kind of like a spirituality. Mm-hmm. So tell us how did you navigate that. Um, man, it's taken a while just in terms of sexuality and sex. Well, more sex, but I'll never forget going to this. It was a conference and, and it was a, a Christian women's conference. And, the, and this woman was talking about sex and just how we're taught and not taught about sex. And she said, like, but we're sexual beings. And that just like threw me through a loop. I'm like, what? Wait, yes, I am. 
but that's not taught to women. Mm-hmm. That's taught to men. Things like men are like, especially specifically in the church, like, you know, there's this thing you're going to do on your wedding night and you just have to like, please him. And it's like, wait, what? You, you, you just got to please him. So it never is presented as something that's enjoyable. That's beautiful. That's part of you. And that sex isn't just about the acts. It's feeling sexy, knowing your body and loving your body and appreciating your body. And at the end of the day, God made it. So I think listening to that and being like, well, God made me, he made my sexual organs. He didn't make me without them. So why would I not, why would I cut them off or not ignore them? Or like, you know, I have to honor them. And I, so I think from knowing that I'm a sexual being, embracing that, knowing God cares about that and created me is it, it helps take away that shame and that embarrassment and so I think and yeah I'm a therapist so I had to get to get with it (laughs) I had to get with it because you know clients sit down and tell you your whole sex life and so I'm not a sex therapist but it's part of you know I always say that I really wish that they had a sex made it mandatory like a sex class in the therapy in the in throughout like k-crep I'm like, that should just be mandatory. Like, why is it not a sex class? Because that's part of people's lives. So I think that's just how I kind of navigate it for me personally. Well, uh, what a beautiful way of putting it, that God created your sexual organs and pleasure and all of that. Then why wouldn't they want you to indulge in that? So I think that's that's yeah. very empowering and it's very different than the messaging that we get. I, I grew up, I'm not particularly religious, but I grew up in a conservative community and I know in my community was the same kind of messaging that mm. sex is something that you have, you give to someone like your husband and there's no kind of emphasis on your pleasure, your yeah. role in it. So people are surprised why not that many women are connected with their sexuality because I feel even mm-hmm. if you are in the field of mental health, you're not necessarily taught the importance of sexual wellness, like uh, how to talk to clients about it before getting mm-hmm. training for a sex therapy. The only class that I had on human sexuality was on one course in undergrad. I didn't have anything in my mm-hmm. master's program or PhD program. That was it. <laughs> I was like, thank God See, in my that's what undergrad, I mean. they, they offered it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's, anyway, there's many things that I want to kind of rally and change in, in, the, in the field. I think sex is another thing. Sex is one thing. I can't remember. I feel like the other thing that should be included. And this was another thing um, that blew my mind is that about God, is that God, like God created the clearest and that the only clearest's job is for orgasm and pleasure and a man does not have that and it just blows my mind that we are like not talked about sexual being and we have a whole organ that's just for pleasure like it does nothing (laughs) else for pleasure like that's crazy you know what I mean so that was another thing that blew my mind. I just had to add that. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. And I think it's it's important for women to own their sexual power because you're right that it's, yes, it can be part of your reproduction system kind of having sex and for procreation. But there's also, uh, as you said, the whole organ de- designated for you experiencing pleasure. So why wouldn't you lean into that? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the other thought, <laughs> 
that I had, Bianca, was about so people who are kind of recently diagnosed and they, mm-hmm. they are feeling confused, frustrated, kind of angry at times. What do you recommend to do after they gather information about it? How can they come make peace with this diagnosis? Yeah. Um, so again, you know, of course, getting the education support and support could be a support group. There's like Facebook groups um, online, they, you know, finding a support group. There is a, another podcast I know that really dedicates to sex positive and, and genital herpes and ha- hearing other people's story will empower you to listen and look for other people's story. I can't remember the name of the podcast right now, but listening for other people's stories is another way to gain that support and help you see, like you really do not want to isolate, like don't be alone, find other people, go on YouTube, you know, find a podcast, go on the internet, just read other people's stories and see how they were empowered and how they're managing it. Of course, therapy, because you're going to have all these emotions because, you know, it, it wrecks with our sense of being. If we have a friend or a loved one that we can trust, and give space to, to trust the process in, in, in that sense. And um, also making sure you make the distinction between identity and, and diagnosis. You are not your diagnosis. Like you are not genital herpes. Like you're so much more than that. It's what you have. It's not who you are. And um, hold on to your power, you know, and if you've lost, let some of it go, take your power back. What a great recommendation. And as you were talking about like sharing the information with people, and I love that you emphasize people you trust. Because I know as mm. uh, Brenda Brown talks about, like people have to earn the right to know your story. I think in your case, it's very different because you're a therapist, you're very courageous. It seems like you you work through kind of all of those stories and patterns and you are at a comfortable place with it. But I feel like I'm, I feel protective of people out there that they prematurely sharing this with others yes. and the impact of it on the reaction perhaps that they get that impact of it on their sense of self as well mm-hmm. yeah like I said like it it took me you know over how many years to share it with the world but people who were close to me knew and that was a great support Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this wisdom. And if you're okay, I put a link in to your episode of talking about this in the show notes. So people can a find your podcast and also hear your story from you. But tell us if people are curious to learn more about you, your services, what are some of the good way of getting hold of you? Yeah. So um, if you really want to know more about, like I'm, I'm still figuring it all out with this coaching with the genital herpes. But if you just want to follow me and stay in touch, you can do that on my Instagram, which is Bianca Keisha, and that's Keisha spelled K-E-S-H-A. If you want some therapy stuff, you can always follow me on Authentically B-U, and that's B-E-Y-O-U on Instagram. And then my website, BiancaKHughes.com. Excellent. So, oh, and then the podcast is Authentic Wednesday Podcast. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Well, that that's important. And again, the link will be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It was lovely to have you on the show. And thank you for sharing your information and expertise with us. Thank you. 
I hope you found the conversation useful. I appreciated Bianca's honesty about her journey and sharing that with hundreds of other people because SCIs are significantly more common than most people imagine. And many of them are curable, treatable, and that doesn't mean that you will not be able to have the sexual experiences you want. With some of the SCIs, it's about management and for some others is about treating the infection. So I hope this conversation gave you a new perspective on on this issue. At the end, again, I wanted to say thank you to our sponsor, omgs.com. I was talking about their website in one of the rooms I was running in Clubhouse. For those of you who are not familiar with Clubhouse, it's a new social media app that it's audio only. And someone in the room that was asking me about how she can explore anal sex. And she, she was curious about it, but she didn't know much about it. And I referred her to omgs.com. They have a specific videos teaching you about what to do and not to do and how you can tap into your pleasure. And I love their way of presenting the information. If you're curious to learn more about them, make sure you're checking out the link in the show note and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.